You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. Uh, visitors this morning, uh, it's uh, just a blessing for you to, for us to have you worship with us and just make yourself at home because I know the Lord wants to speak to your heart. Um, this is a special day, as every day is a special day, but the last Sunday of the year, um, and uh, just a good time to kind of reflect on where we are, take stock of where we are, um, but also look forward with hope. Um, and I really agree with what uh, Tinder was saying. My, one of my devotionals this morning was on uh, fear and how fear can just uh, kill uh, relationships and things like that. Uh, and as we come to the end of the year, sometimes our hearts are a little harder uh, maybe than we uh, expect. Maybe this past year has been one of disappointment. Uh, maybe it's been one of, uh, in some ways, a failure. And those kind of things can harden our hearts. And they can also make us fearful looking forward to the future. So I'm, I'm really uh, excited about David sharing the word this morning. I'm going to be in children's ministry. I'm really excited about that, too. Uh, I was going to dress like Mr. Rogers this morning, but I decided not to do that. But I did wear my tennis shoes, so I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, but what David is going to share this morning uh, is looking forward to um, the coming year uh, and uh, just our preparation for that. Um, but I just want to encourage you to dream big, you know. I mean, maybe you've experienced some disappointments. Don't let that stop you from dreaming. Don't let that stop you from reaching, you know, for more. Don't let that, that just uh, result in just being uh, sort of satisfied with the status quo and just saying this is all that there is. Because when you get to the point where you say this is it, then either you're in heaven or you're dying an early death because he really wants you to hunger and thirst for more. So a couple of things that we can do. First of all, um, we have sort of in passing uh, mentioned uh, reading through the Bible in a year. Um, this is a great time to do that. I posted a couple this morning. I think David's going to po post one um, to you um, that's going to give you some information on uh, just a study that you can do. There's so many benefits from reading through the whole Bible because we have certain parts of the Bible that we're in all the time and then some parts of the Bible that we're not in at all. Um, I just really encourage you just to, you know, take the plunge and just begin a regular time of Bible study um, and spending time in the Word every day. Um, and the U version of the Bible uh, is a great place to do that. that literally thousands of uh, reading uh, plans that you can choose from there. Um, so I encourage you to do that. And then the second thing is um, uh, we're going to have like a season uh, of uh, prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord. We, you, this is like the rhythm of the, of the body. It's like the, you know, kind of the, um, the seasons that we go through as a body. In January uh, and early February is always a time when we're just as a body, as leadership, um, as leaders in the body and also as members of the body, just spending time um, seeking the Lord. Um, set aside a day or maybe even more than that of, of a time to fast um, and seek the Lord, and we'll have more information on that. Uh, but we're going to start that on, on January the 9th, I think, um, and that's, gonna, that's a Wednesday. So we'll meet on Wednesday night since we have our, uh, we got our sanctuary back on Wednesday nights. Um, and uh, we want to uh, just uh, gather together. Um, spend an hour or so in prayer and worship um, together and just really seeking the Lord. And I just encourage you to take advantage of that, okay, as we're looking forward. And before we release the kids, um, I just want to say uh, something 
to, uh, to my wife. Today is our 40th uh, anniversary. Thanks. 40 years ago, uh, in the Catholic Church downtown, I stood, uh, we stood, uh, it was part of a mass, so you either stand or kneel if you're the, if you're the uh, bride and groom, uh, and it's a full-blown mass, so it's an hour, hour and a half long. Uh, they don't shorten it for weddings, and uh, about three-quarters of the way through the thing, I was ready to pass out. I don't know if you've ever passed out before, but uh, for me, it was like I was getting sparkles on the uh, outside of my peripheral vision, you know, and feeling, you know, sweaty and, and cold at the same time, and... Um, the priest uh, stepped up to me and he said, uh, you know, are you okay? And I said, no, I don't think I am. I think I'm about to pass out. So he went in the back and he got a, wa a washcloth and dipped it in some cold water and brought it to me. And I wiped my face with that. And I was like back. I mean, like immediately, you know, it just totally restored me. And uh, as I've told the story before, there was a lady there that was not Catholic, uh, a friend of my mom's. And she said, uh, she said, Yvonne, I've never been to a Catholic um, ceremony before, uh, and it was beautiful. And she said, "What that part of the ceremony where the priest uh, wipes the uh, groom's face? What does that symbolize?" <laughs> and she's like, "I think it meant that he was about to pass out." So it was. Uh, I wasn't going to pass out because uh, I was uh, nervous about uh, her. Um, I was nervous about me. I didn't know whether I could love somebody. Uh, consistently the way that I wanted to and I never wanted to lose her and I never wanted to fall out of love with her um, and I'm just here to say 40 years is uh, is a miracle and um, and I just want to thank Becky for that I want to thank her for um, her faithfulness and her patience um, and following the dream that God has for us but the one that he really called me to um, and that she has been a part of um, as a part of that but um, you know, a pastor's wife role is a really difficult role. Um, we have been so blessed to be a part of this body. Um, and we have also been really hurt uh, through the years. Uh, and she has endured it all. And God has used you guys in such a powerful way uh, to point us to him and to keep us, um, you know, on the, our feet on the paths of righteousness. And not just to survive, but to flourish. And God has just overwhelmingly blessed us. So I just want to present her with some flowers this morning and say thank you. I love you. Do you want to say something? Are these from Cindy? Huh? She, yeah. said, she said, are these from Cindy? <laughs> I, I was. I yeah, he's actually done some lately that are really, really cool. Yes. But um, this sounds really cheesy and corny. I wasn't prepared to make speech at all, but he is my knight in shining armor, and that sounds so cheesy and so corny, but it is the absolute truth that a lot of times I see on Facebook, and I kind of make fun of it about, my husband's so amazing and all this, and I make fun of it, but he is so amazing. And I, <laughs> um, I never dreamed that um, I would have somebody like this because uh, my dad was not a man like this. I love my dad, but he was not a man like this. And so for God to put us together is an absolute miracle. And we've come a long way from fourth grade to now. <laughs> and we just have been through some hard times. But like Joe said, you guys have been with us, and you're a big part of us surviving 
and being able to get through a lot of what we've been through. And we just love you guys. And we're honored and blessed um, to be in leadership in this church. And, and we love you guys, and I love you, darling. <laughs> So uh, I want to say one more thing. I'm doing a wedding uh, tomorrow, um, Bailey and um, and uh, Marcus, and I thought they were going to be here this morning, but I'm not surprised if they're not. We're doing the wedding rehearsal this afternoon, uh, and I'll probably choke up like I always do at weddings. <laughs> because... <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that this morning. They're just children, really. I mean, they're, you know, they really are. In every way, they, they have no life experiences. They have no, you know, they have nothing, but they have the Lord. And they've got, um, you know, they, they take, they're taken seriously, their commitment to each other. But what I would say to you is whether you're newly married or thinking about getting married or whether you've been married for a long time, this place is really good for marriage. It really is. This place, being around people that have, like when we celebrated 25 years um, we were sitting at a table and I was feeling pretty, you know, good about myself that we had made it 25 years. And I said something about it. And literally every couple at the table had been married longer than that. We were the, they were, we had been married the shortest amount of time, you know, and that was just couples from TCF that had been married 30 and 35 and 50 years. Um, and this is a really good place for that. Build relationships here and let God bless you with, you know, support and encouragement and good examples. Um, just like the, the um, adoption and, um, and fostering thing uh, that we're doing here, uh, the real powerful thing is that it normalizes these experiences for us. It's like we're around people that are doing this. We're not the only ones out there like in the wilderness you know, doing this, that we have other people that we can look to that are doing it. It's, it should be that way, that living a godly life and dreaming for more should be normalized in the body of Christ. It ought to be something that we don't stand out, that we expect, and that we encourage one another with. So, all right, so um, I'm going to let the kids go, and I'm going to join them. Uh, for children's ministry and turn it over to David. Let's pray for our kids as we go. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these children. <clears throat> thank you, Lord, for this just rare, uh, brief opportunity that we have to pour into their lives. Um, it is amazing to watch them grow, Lord. It's amazing um, to see um, that we plant um, and water, but that you give the increase, Lord, and we just pray for that in our kids, that you would raise up a generation that's equipped, Lord, for the things that they're going to face, uh, and that through that, Lord, that you would, be, you would teach us as well and deepen us in our faith for your glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give David a good welcome this morning. Awesome. I don't know about you guys, but I, I think it's just so cool to be a part of a church where the upper leadership of the church models servanthood the way um, that it's done here. You know, that uh, you know, our senior pastor, realizing there's a need over in children's ministry, stepping out of the pulpit to go meet that need. And, but that's the way it works in the kingdom, amen? The higher up you go in the kingdom, the more humble you are and the more you serve others. And uh, so I just, but I just think that's so cool, and I love that so much, and I respect and honor uh, our pastor for it, uh, amazing man of God. Um, for those of you guys who may be new to us or who don't know me, 
My name is David Cook. I'm the associate pastor as well as a worship leader here at Tyler Christian Fellowship. And um, it's always a blessing and a real privilege for me to just be able to open the Word of God and share it with you um, anytime I get the opportunity. Uh, we like to say around here from week to week, if uh, you're new to us, that's cool. Your Heavenly Father knows you. He knows who you are. He loves you. And uh, He knows exactly how to speak to you. So just sit back, relax, open your heart, and just receive all that He has from Him this morning. Amen? Amen. Like Brother Joe said, um, I, man, I'm excited we are moving into a new year. It, it's going to be a good year. And the way that we kick off the year here at Tyler Christian Fellowship, just like you mentioned, we always start in prayer and in fasting. We call together the leadership of the church, the deacons, the elders, uh, anyone who's serving uh, on staff here or in any ministry role. And we also invite the body. We invite everyone to come and join in the time of fasting and praying. And so I really hope you caught that this morning because what happens over those first six weeks of the new year, it always blows us away. It's like we prepare our hearts for it, and we know it's going to be good coming in, and we get together and start worshiping and praying, and God just speaks, and he drops into our hearts uh, not, only not, not only like vision for the body and where we're going for the year, but he drops in personal vision uh, for you. Uh, he speaks to you. Um, it's a good way to reset your heart, recalibrate your heart, and get ready for all that he has for you in the new year. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to take a guess that you're a lot like me, that through the holidays you kind of get a little out of sorts. You maybe overdo it in some ways, overeat, oversleep, over, overwork, overshop. Everything's over, over, over. And that first six weeks of the new year in that time of consecrated prayer and fasting is like hitting the reset button on your life. It's like getting, intentionally putting yourself into, into a disciplined routine of coming into the Lord's presence with other believers and, and just seeking His face. And so it's like I come out of that season of prayer and fasting every year feeling refreshed. I come out feeling focused, and I come out feeling like, like I've been reset and I'm ready for the new year. So please... Um, please take advantage. Like Brother Joe said, in the past, it was a challenge. I mean, it was for the God junkies. I mean, you had to be here at 6 a.m. on Friday morning in January. It's cold. It's, it's, you know, it's hard to get up. You're out of that routine. We made it easy for you. We put it on Wednesday night at 6.30. So you have time to get home from work, relax a little bit, spend some time with your family, and then bring the family up here and spend an hour in worship and prayer. So we made it a little bit easier on you this year, and uh, so we're just expecting some good things. So I just want to encourage you, please take advantage of that if you're able. It's going to be awesome. Uh, this morning, I'm going to be sharing a message on that's kind of a New Year's-themed message. I've entitled it, A New Year for a New Creation. Um, it is kind of hardwired into us. We're creatures of habit that every time a new season begins or kicks off, or a new year starts, we intrinsically kind of begin to take stock in our lives, and we look back at the year that, we look at the year we're leaving behind, and we think, what do I want to do different in the new year? You know, what do I want to leave behind? What were some of the things that, maybe mistakes I made, or habits I had, or just things I want to do better, improvements I want to make in the new year? You know, we begin to look into the new year, and we begin to look at, at how we can change, and how we can grow, and what we can do different. That's kind of intrinsic to, to us in general, just as human beings. It's just wired into our, 
into the nature of who we are. But God also designed us that way spiritually, to, const- to be moving in a state of moving away from the old and moving into the new. Uh, we are called in the new covenant, in the new, in the new testament, those of us who are in the new covenant with Jesus Christ, we are called new creations. Uh, that's found, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, behold, the new has come. So God has also created our journey with him to be a journey away from old things and towards new things, to be constantly moving from glory to glory. We were never created to be static in our walk with him. Amen? We were created to be dynamic, moving forward, moving deeper, uh, encountering him more. So we're going to take a look at that today. We're going to talk about what it means to be a new creation in Christ. Because there's some challenges. Even though the old is gone and the new has come, there can still be a few battles left to fight. Am I the only one? Amen? Can you say amen? <laughs> We've still got a few battles left, even as a new creation in Christ. I was, um, a little confession time. It's good for the soul, they say. I'm a clickbait junkie. You know what clickbait is? If you're not familiar with social media, clickbait is when you're on Facebook or Twitter or just on the Internet in general and you get a pop-up video that comes up that looks really interesting, looks really cool. You're like, man, I'll, you kind of read the headline on it and you're like, oh, wow, check that out. It's a trap. You click on that link and it opens up and what's the first thing that happens? Ads. Ads everywhere. And like you click on what you thought was going to be the video and it ends up to just take you to another thing. Well, I've done it so many times. I'm smart enough to just scroll straight down to the bottom and get to the actual video. I'm a, I'll, I'll confess, I'm a clickbait-aholic, but I'm in recovery. Okay? There's healing in the name of Jesus. I'm in recovery. But, um, so I, I'm, I, have been, I haven't been doing it as much lately, but I saw one last week that I couldn't resist. And um, it was a video of a, uh, maybe some of you guys uh, saw this too. It was a video of one of those Paracel or hand glider instructors and his student. And they're getting ready to take off the side of a mountain thousands of feet over this ravine. And so it says, uh, hand gliding instructor makes fatal flaw. And I'm like, ooh, click. So I'm watching the video, and, he, and the instructor and the student are side by side in the hand glider. And you can see he's giving, the, he's giving his students some final instructions, going over a few last things. And then they, he counts. You can count like one, two, three. And then they take off running down the, down the side of this mountain to the cliff edge of it, and they jump off. And within about two seconds, the instructor realizes he forgot to snap himself in his harness into the hand glider. So now he's, instead of flying parallel with the glider, he's hanging with his hands holding on to the crossbar of his hand glider. And this poor student is like trying to hold him as best he can, but it's, it's insanity. And, and they're, you know, hand glider like that, thousands of feet up in the air, you're at the mercy of those wind currents. You can't just, oops, mistake, let's land. There's nowhere to land. So they're flying over all these trees, and you can see <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's humorous, but it's not. 
there, you can see the panic, man. This guy is just clinging to this crossbar, just white knuckle hanging on to this hand glider, literally for dear life. And they ride it, and they fly it down, and they get all the way down to the, bo- to the bottom of this valley, and he releases, you know, just as they hit the ground, and he's just exhausted. He's just, but he's made it. He survived. He made it. And I'm looking at that video, and I'm like, wow, that was, that's scary. But I feel like God showed me something in that as I was preparing and thinking about this message. That's the way a lot of people live their Christian life. Even as new creations, they white-knuckle hold on for all, grit their teeth and hold on for the ride, hold on for the challenges, And the mistake that they made is they don't snap into the identity that they have in Christ. They're not fastened in. They're not secured in who they are in Him. And so they're hanging on. And they face challenges by sheer grit and determination and trying to fight through it with human will and determination and hopelessness. That is not the way we were created to live. Amen? We are new creations in Christ, created to be victorious, created to walk in victory, created to not to, uh, not to cling and hang on and white-knuckle our way through this journey with Him, but to fly, to soar on wings like eagles. And there's some challenges, though, that we have to face. But God, in His mercy, and, and being for us and not against us, as the song that Tinder sang this morning, He's given us some help as new creations so that we can soar with Him. And we're going to take a look at three of those uh, areas today as we go through this sermon. Three of those gifts that God has given us as new creations so that we can soar with Him this year because I'm not a prophet, but I'm telling you, that's God's heart for you this year. That's His heart for you. He wants you to soar with Him. He wants to take you higher. He wants to take you deeper. And he's giving you some help to do it. We're going to take a look at it. Um, Three new creation gifts that we're going to take a look at today. God's given us a new heart. He's given us a new home. And he's given us a new hope. So we're going to talk about the first one. He's given us a new heart. This is spoken of, actually, in the Old Testament. The prophets uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah all prophesied of a day when God's people would be given a new heart. Uh, this is a passage from Ezekiel that speaks to it. It says, for I will take you out of the nations. This is to Israel, but this is fulfilled in the new covenant for all of us. Uh, it says, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from the countries and bring you back to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that's always been God's heart for us. Uh, before, uh, Before Jesus came and before the cross and before the Holy Spirit was poured out, His people... Uh, would go through seasons. Israel went through seasons of drawing near to God and then hardening their hearts and falling away from God. And drawing near to God and hardening their hearts and falling away from God. And that was their existence in the Old Covenant. But God's heart was always to restore His people 
to the ideal condition, which was the garden. What he had with Adam and Eve. He wants that with us today. Intimate fellowship. He wants to be a father to children, a friend, a brother. He wants to, to know us that way. The first step in doing that was to give us uh, a new heart. And I want to kind of break down the process of giving us a new heart um, a little bit deeper today because there's something I want you to see in it that maybe you've never seen before that might help you as you're facing a new year and trying to understand yourself as a new creation. This is the process that we go through uh, for receiving a new heart. In Romans chapter 6, 5 through 11, it says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self, say that with me, old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God in the same way. Hang on to that phrase. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. In Jesus Christ. Do you see the process here? When Jesus went into the grave, he died for you. But he also died with you. You're crucified in Christ. The old man, God, Jesus made a real good deal. He made us a really good deal. See, he didn't bother trying to reform our old man. He didn't want the hassle of that, so he just killed the old man. And the way he did that is he took on our sin. He took on the old man. And when he went into the grave, the old man went into the grave. And when he was resurrected to new life, we were resurrected to new life. When do we lay hold of that transaction? When does what was actually done then become actual for us now? It becomes actual for us when we say yes to him. And when we become his, when he becomes Lord of our lives, and when we give him our heart, and when we are forgiven for our sins, and we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, from, the kingdom, from, from death to life, we become new creations. The old is gone. Hallelujah. The new has come. Here's where it gets confusing, though, because we use some phrases in Christianity, especially within the last few hundred years. We say things like, I've got to die to this, and I've got to die to that. And anything that we don't, that's bad in our lives, we say, well, I've got to die. I've got to die to it. I've got to die to lust. I've got to die to whatever, die to rated R movies, I've got to die to pizza, I've got to, you know, I've got to die to everything. I've got really good news for you. If you're in Christ, you're dead. Your old man is dead. There's no more dying to be done. 
And you're like, well then, what do we do? Because something, some, there's a rub here that I can't quite figure out. If my old man went into the grave and is dead and buried, then why do I still struggle? Why do I still feel tempted? Why are there still traces of the old man like he's still alive? What's up with that? You ever ask yourself that question? When you hear someone say you're a new creation, is there a little part of you that's like, yeah, but... Here's the answer. Paul says that we are to reckon ourselves dead. Consider yourself dead. You know what that means? That, that reckoning? It's like a mariner's term. It means to chart course in a new direction. It means to adjust. You're going this way, and you're off course. So you're going to reckon into a new direction. You're going to shift course. We are to reckon ourselves away from the old man. Because the truth is, he's dead. He's as dead as dead can be. But what's still alive? What is it that's tempting us? What are, where are these desires? Why? Because old habits die hard. Old desires die hard. I had a basset hound that I love. He's my buddy. Um, some of you guys got to know him. I think Heather got to know him for sure. He loved Heather. She, I think you're the only one who would allow Bosco to hop up in your lap. He's a big, fat basset hound. I loved him. Um, he just, just my best, you know, just a buddy. He even, I even taught him to sing. You know, he would howl with me and, when I'd play the guitar. It's awesome. He loved to sleep right beside me. On the, well, he slept on the floor, but on my side of the bed. So um, anytime during the middle of the night, I'd have to get up to use the restroom or get up to do something, I always had to swing my legs way out over Bosco to get up and walk. That was just the habit I had. Well, Bosco got hit by a car and was killed and just killed us. And Bosco was dead. But for weeks, when I would get up at night, I would swing my feet out over where Bosco had been. I would forget that he was dead. And I would swing my feet out and I would get up. Oh, yeah. And it'd come back to my memory. He's not there. Old habits are hard to break, especially when it comes to, to losing and things that are lost when something dies just because they're gone doesn't mean the habit that you had with that old life isn't still there it doesn't mean that the memories aren't still there it doesn't mean that those same desires aren't still there sometimes you're a new creation and the old man is gone and in the ground but you have to realize that because here's what we do We get tempted, or we fight desires, or we feel something come up, a thought or whatever, and here's what we will say. See, that proves that I'm not a new creation. I've still got a lot of sin, and I've got stuff going on. I'm not. I'm not what they say I am. I'm not. And you, and you don't believe it, and you doubt who God really says you are. It's like failing to fasten yourself into that identity. 
that he says that you are. You begin to doubt. Well, I want to show you something that God showed me this year, and I've just kind of put it into practice, and it's helped me a lot because it's not enough to say that we're a new creation. Um, You have to kind of reinforce that. You have to believe it and reinforce it. And so I want to show you a little something that I've been using this year um, as a reinforcement for who I am in Christ, as a reminder to me. I call it BTG versus ATG, just for short. Below the ground versus above the ground. I know that my old man is dead. He's gone. That's below the ground. He's BTG. I know that I've been resurrected to the newness of life in Christ. I know that I'm walking in resurrection life. That's ATG. That's above the ground. So when I'm tempted or when I have something going on in my heart um, that may be tempting me to go a direction I shouldn't go or to think something I shouldn't think or to say something I shouldn't say or to do something I do, this year what I've been doing is I've been pausing for a minute and going, is that an ATG or is that a BTG thought? Is that an ATG word or is that a BTG word? And I pause for a minute, and just that little bit of pause has helped me tremendously. It's helped me in two ways. It's helped me from not doing or not saying or not some thinking some things that I shouldn't, but it's also reinforced the fact that I am created to live an ATG life. I'm living, you're living in Christ, an above-the-ground life. This is a little process that I've been walking out uh, this year. And so, uh, and I, I apply this to a lot of different things. Like when I'm in a conversation with somebody and it starts to turn negative or it starts to turn, you know what I'm talking about? You're going somewhere that you shouldn't. I immediately feel like the Holy Spirit's like, <clears throat> is that BTG or ATG? Is that an ATG or a BTG thought? Is that a BTG or an ATG word? And it's like, reckon. I, I immediately reckon, like Paul says, I reckon myself, I reckon that ATG thing, uh, that uh, BTG thing dead as it is, and I move away from it. That's just been a little something that's helped me this year. That may sound lame to you, but it works. The Holy Spirit has used that uh, in a lot of different ways in my life this year to really reinforce that I'm a new creation. You know what's cool? Is whenever you begin to think about yourself as an ATG Christian, you begin to believe it. You, you don't, you turn from accuser to believer. Because we're so easy to accuse ourselves when we fail, fall, or just are tempted. We're so quick to turn it back at ourselves and say, man, I'm a failure. No, you're not. You just need to reckon. What's dead is dead. And you're alive. That's not who you are. Simply adjust course and move away. So I just want to encourage you in that. I want to encourage you to maybe try this this week or this year as you're moving into a new year. Think about that. Pause for a minute. You could take a snapshot of this screen if it helps you. And just remember this. Remember this as you walk out your journey this, this, this year. Am I BTG 
or in my ATG, in my words, in my thoughts, and in my actions. Amen? All right, let's look at the second one quickly. As new creations, God gives us the gift of a new home. A new home. And by that, I mean the body of Christ. We, we've been here 21 years now. And I was sharing with somebody a week or two ago that when Emily and I first came into the body of Christ, we were brand new baby believers. Literally walking fresh our first few steps as new creation believers. When we came into this body, we were just kind of hoping that nobody even knew where we were coming from. Maybe they won't know where we've been and, and how far off track we were and, and what all we walked in. Maybe we can just slip in and slip out from week to week and uh, just, you know, just be in God's presence and learn and, and, uh, and just keep it on the down low. I, at least I know, I know for a fact I did. I was, I was kind of worried. You know, what if they find out about our past? What if they find out about, uh, you know, how we live before the Lordship of Jesus? But after we came into this body, what we found was that everybody has a BTG past. Everybody here was a story of redemption. Everybody here was a story of restoration, including the pastor himself. And what we found in this community was healing and what we found in this community was brotherhood and sisterhood and fatherhood and motherhood. We found a family. Because here's the thing, we are created for community. We're created, we're built, God created us for community. He did not create us to live a Christian life on our own or apart from the body of Christ. He created us to be put into a body when the, when the Bible speaks of the church, um, one of the uh, scriptures that really speaks of this is 1 Peter 2.5. It says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He says that we're living stones joined together, built together, supporting one another, built together, and constructing uh, a spiritual house. The, another really good illustration for, for how community works is uh, when uh, we're told, we're, like in Ephesians, we're the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, and each one of us is a member of that body. An arm, a leg, a hand, a finger, a toe, an eye, an ear. And it goes on to say, no one is more important than anyone else. We all need each other. Like you cannot do when one part suffers, we all suffer. And when one part rejoices, we all rejoice. This is how we were created to live as new, new creation uh, believers. We were called and created to live in community. We were called to live together and to support one another. I want to encourage you in 2019, if you're not in a small group, if you're not connected to this body, if you're not in some way living in community, this is the year for it. Don't spend another year disconnected from the people that God is trying to partner you with and build you into. This is what you were created for. I had some people that were really close to me tell me one time they had pulled out of church and they pulled out everything. And they said, we love Jesus, but we're just not, we're not group people. 
And I was like, that's like saying I'm not an oxygen person. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, you're created for community. There are no Lone Ranger Christians out there. God, God, didn't, God doesn't do that. He wants all of us in a family. Um, I saw a, uh, I was reading an article. There was some, uh, an article, uh, more clickbait. Um, there was something about the redwoods. I was reading about some redwood trees. And when I, I read this article, and I may have used this before, but there's a precedent for preachers using stuff more than once in sermons here in this house. So, um, But I was reading this article, and it was talking about the way redwood trees uh, live in community with one another. And man, when I read this, it was like God said, that's the church. Here's a, here's a snapshot of that article. It says, redwoods do not survive alone, ever. They form tribes or communities. Sometimes they grow so close to each other, they merge at the base into one tree. The first thing they provide each other is strength and support, intertwining roots, not deep but wide, living in the embrace of others. The critical key to survival and growth is interdependence. Is that not the church? Come on. That, that is just a perfect illustration uh, of the way that God builds us into community. I like how it says the first thing that they provide each other is strength and support. That's exactly what we found when we first came here. Those are the two things that we needed. We needed some strength and we needed some support. We needed someone who was stronger in their walk with the Lord and further along than we were to come alongside of us and to put their arm around us and say, this is the way, walk in it. And thank God um, he led us to people who were like that for us. I mean, Chuck and Helen Morris, Rodney and Joyce Symes. If I start naming names, I'm going to leave somebody out, but there's been so many people in the body who have been spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers, spiritual brothers and sisters uh, for me and Emily. Uh, It's been amazing the way that God has knit us into this place and grown us here um, into who we are today. If it wasn't for the community that we have found in the body of Christ, we would not be who we are. Amen? That's just the way it is. And that's what God's heart is for you as a new creation believer. That is a help that he's given you. That is a gift that he has given you. And like I said, we fight battles. We have struggles. We have, we, we have to work through things. We need community. There are so many avenues for that here at Tyler Christian Fellowship uh, but that you could that you could be a part of, but your job, you have to step into them. So the first six weeks that Emily and I were here, as soon as Brother Joe said amen, I ran for the door. I didn't want, I didn't know anything about community. I was afraid of it. I knew I needed it, but I, but I was afraid. I didn't, I was from a church that had a, a mega church, multiple services. Emily was from the extreme opposite of that, a very small church with like 10 people Neither one of us knew much about community other than we needed it. So I would run for the door when he would say amen, even though I knew it was what I needed. And then one day somebody cut us off before we could get to the door and said, hey, wait, wait, are you in a small group? And the rest is history. You know, thankfully that person stepped into our path and invited us to their small group. And in that small group we found family. We found life. We found what was missing 
Like, we've been missing this. Why was I running from this? That's crazy. We got into that and found out that's what we're created for. It was in a small group for the first time that I ever led worship, that I ever played a worship song uh, on the guitar. It was in a small group that we learned to pray with each other out loud. It was in a small group that we learned to minister to the needs of others in that group who were hurting or who had needs. It was in that small group setting we found family. So I want to encourage you. You were created for community. Don't buy into the lie that this place is optional or this group of people is optional. It's not. We need each other. Amen? Amen. All right. And so the last one I want to take a look at, um, God has given us the gift of new hope. New hope. So how is the hope that God gives different than the, the hope that the world gives us? Because the world has hope, right? You talk, you talk to people that are not believers, people that are outside of the faith, and they're hopeful. They have hope. So there's a, but there's a distinction between the type of hope that God gives us as new creation believers and the type of hope that the world has. Because in the world, your hope is built upon something. Some job, some opportunity, some cure, some something. Something turning your way that's going to relieve whatever the condition is that you're facing. And your happiness and your joy are wrapped up in the hope that that thing is going to come through for you. A lot of people put their hope in finances and the lottery and job, you name it. You know, single people, they're they're putting all their hope in that future relationship that they're going to have. When I find the right one, it's all going to come together and everything's going to be awesome. And is that the truth, married people? Sort of. It is awesome. uh, Marriage is awesome, but there's also... A lot of working out that has to be done. A lot. But people in the world put their hope in those types of things. And the thing is, those things fail. They're not eternal. They're not solid. And you can't build a life on them. So the difference is, biblical hope is something entirely um, different. It's not hope in something, but hope in someone. Hope, our hope, the hope that we live by, is built, is is not only, it's not a thing. It's a person. And his name is Jesus. This is a quote um, I found this week. Biblical hope is not a mere desire for something good to happen. It is a confident expectation that something good will happen because the one who is able to make it happen is good. Biblical hope is based not in something, but in someone. This is John Piper. Uh, I didn't put his name, but uh, give him credit. Uh, This is an article that he had written on hope uh, that I found to be real solid. Um, Again, biblical hope is not based in something but in someone. 
I'm, again, I'm not a prophet, but you're going to go through some stuff this year. Everybody does. Everybody goes through some stuff. And trials can sometimes be used by God um, in ways that we didn't see coming. You know, there's things that happen in our lives that we wouldn't have written it that way. We certainly wouldn't have scripted it that way. But God takes those things to reveal where our hope really lies. Paul said <clears throat> that we rejoice, we're to rejoice in our trials because they develop perseverance. And perseverance develops character. And character develops hope. And then he goes on to say this, and hope does not disappoint because God has poured his love out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It starts with a trial, but it ends with love. Do you catch that? You catch the chain of events there? It starts with a desperate need, but it ends with an amazing God who is there for us. He provides. He shows up. He releases grace. Sometimes he heals and restores completely. He does the amazing and the impossible. and He does what no one else can do. He is hope. He himself is our hope. He's your hope today. I don't know what you're, you've come in here with this morning. I don't know what you're facing even today or this week or like you're looking into 2019 and you're like, ah, you know, you're already doing that. Like, wow, how am I going to make it? What am I going to do? I don't know. I don't know what you're up against in 2019. But I know this. God is good. He is good. And I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how the chips are going to fall for you. But I know this. Your, if your faith is in Christ, you are his child. And his heart towards you is goodness. Like Piper says here, uh, he says you can trust. It's a confident expectation that something good will happen because the one who is able to make it happen is good. Even when it doesn't go our way. Even when the script is written that we never would have written. We can still turn and say, God is good. Because we're, our hope is not in whether the thing that we want to happen happens or not. Our hope is in the one who's with us. Our Emmanuel. Our God with us. There's a, um, a clip I want to show you guys this year. Uh, really, uh, my eyes were open to it. Um, I'd read, read a clickbait again. Clickbait can help your life, okay? Stop judging, all right? So I came across something um, that I had never caught before. Uh, I've watched Charlie Brown Christmas umpteen million times, and I never caught this. You know, Charles Schultz was a Christian, and so um, the creator of Charlie Brown, and so uh, a lot of the stories in Charlie Brown were theme had Christian type themes and undertones, and I had never noticed this one part uh, of Charlie Brown Christmas until this year. Here, let me say this. Let me 
proceed watching that with this. A lot of people this year need hope. Why do they need hope? Why do we need hope? Because we have fear. We don't know how it's going to work out. We don't know what's going to happen. We get into situations where fear is a normal reaction. And we need hope that overcomes our greatest fears. And that is what Christmas is is about. It's Emmanuel, God coming to earth to be with us in the midst of it so that we don't have to fear. As you guys know, um, if you're a Charlie Brown fan like me, Linus, uh, the little boy who carries the blue blanket around with him everywhere, you see Linus, if you see Linus, you, you see the blanket. They are like one and the same. In fact, even in this episode of Charlie Brown, Lucy's like on him about, you know, giving the blanket up. Aren't you too old for that? You can see that Linus has a serious attachment to this blanket. He's not about to give it up. It's like his security blanket. But you're going to see something here in a second. In the middle of uh, his recitation of the Christmas story, when Linus gets to the part about when the angels say, fear not. Just pay attention what happens to the blanket. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Just Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Did you catch it? I've watched that I don't know how many thousand. There's no telling how many times I've watched that. And I never saw that when Linus says, fear not. The one thing that he holds on to, his life up to that point for security, he releases. And his security blanket falls to the ground. At the, at, at, on the very statement of the words that God is with us. Fear not. He is Emmanuel. God with us. I'm going to call the worship team on up and we're going to close uh, this morning just spending a little bit of time in uh, God's presence. And um, I want to encourage your heart as we're heading into 2019 Do you have a security blanket? 
Is there something you're clinging to? Is there anything that you're clinging to or hoping for? You're saying, if, if I have this, I'll make it. Or when this happens, it's going to be great. Or if this would just come true, I'd be completely fulfilled. I'd have everything I want. I'd have everything I need. I would lack for nothing. Are you Linus? Are you holding on to a security blanket? Because we were created to hold on to nothing except Jesus. And the good news is that he's holding on to us. Even when our group grip loosens slightly, God's grip never does. He holds on with both hands. He holds us close. He loves us. He cares for us. So this morning, I want you to spend some time, as uh, Tinder and the team leads us through a couple of courses here, I want you to just spend some time in the presence of the Lord, and I want you to just open your heart up to him. And I want you to say, Lord, just search my heart. Are there, is there a security blanket or two or three or more that I'm clinging to as we move into 2019? Is there something I'm holding on to for my hope that's not you? Is there something in my life that you're telling me, let go? Because I've got you. I've got you. So I want you to open your heart before him. And let's spend just a little bit of time um, in the presence of God. So if you want to stand to your feet this morning, just steal your heart before him. Heavenly Father, we just say right now, just come and search us. You know us, you love us, we know that, Lord God. So just come and reveal, Lord God, for our own good, Lord, the areas of our heart that need to be revealed. And Father, if there's any area in our hearts, Lord God, where we are ashamed or condemned, we feel condemned. I just feel, I feel especially that the Lord wants to release somebody from that this morning. And maybe there's something in your life you feel ashamed or condemned over. And the Lord is saying, your shame and your condemnation are BTG. They're below the ground. He wants you to know that when he went to the cross, he carried your shame. He carried your guilt. He carried your sin and your condemnation. And when it went into the ground, that's where it stayed. So he doesn't want you to labor under that this morning. He doesn't want you to... He doesn't want you to carry that baggage into the new year with you. He wants you to release that this morning. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He has set you free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. So the Lord would say to you this morning, live free. 2019 is a year of freedom for you. So right now in his presence, release it. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever 
whatever the shame, the guilt, the condemnation, the, the security blanket, whatever it is that he's putting his hand on and saying, let it go. Let it go. If you need prayer this morning, Emily and I are here at the front to pray with you. If you want to just come to the altar and just release something to the Lord in preparation for the new year ahead, you can just come and kneel here and pray. Or if you want to stay where you are, that's fine too. But I want to encourage you for the next few moments, let there be no area in your heart that's off limits to God. Amen? I'm gonna lift my hands Till I can reach heaven I'm gonna shout your name Till the walls come falling down I've come to worship I've come to Because you ever 
The Lord is uh, just speaking to your heart this morning, and He just wants to continue to set you free. Um, I'm, I'm aware of the time, so I'm going to dismiss everyone to go. But if you really feel like, and I need to do business with God, there's some stuff in my heart that I don't want to carry into the new year. There's some stuff I want to lay down and let go of. Um, worship team will remain in place. Emily and I will stay available for prayer. The elders, some of the elders are here. Uh, if you need prayer uh, for anything, um, please don't leave today without getting prayed for. That's what we're here to do. That's what it's all about. So um, for the rest of us, I'm going to go ahead and release us. Uh, in a, let's pray that you have an amazing week. And set yourself up for an amazing year as a new creation. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we just thank you for the way that you've spoken to us today. We thank you for the way you've met with us and encouraged our hearts. Thank you for the... Uh, areas, Lord, that you're even still right now working in and setting us free from so that we can truly live in the freedom that we have been created for. Father, we thank you that we don't have to white knuckle it. We thank you that we don't have to hold on and fight and grit our teeth. But Father, that we are secure in our identity today as a new creation in Christ. 
that we are free to soar with you, Lord God. So, Father, I just pray over every heart as we leave this place today that what was laid down, Lord, would not be picked back up again. But, Father, that it would remain at your feet and that as we walk out, we walk out in a newfound freedom, strength, and peace that's only found in you. We thank you for it today, Father. Bless us as we go forth. We give you our lives, heart, our week, and our future. Be glorified. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. God bless you, and you are dismissed. Yes, you, you are my King, Jesus, you are my King.